Well, look with me, if you will, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, and we're just continuing the sermon series that I preached uh, several weeks back. I am going to finish it tonight. Tonight, I want you to know that I'm, we're going to pray for people because this story is about a group of prophets, and they make room to clear more room because they're growing and they're increasing. And then, of course, the exit gets lost. Uh, they recover the exed, but tonight I want to pray for all of the exeds that are here today. Bump your neighbor and say, you look like an exed. All right. Now, I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but Jeremiah actually says that we are a battle axe in the hands of God. Amen. And Ecclesiastes 10 and 10 says that, you know, if that axe loses its sharpness and it becomes blunt and it becomes dull, then you have to like really use a lot of energy and a lot of force to, to get this axe to chop a tree down. And when you do that, it really becomes about you and you working up your power by your might. And in, in God's economy and in God's kingdom, it's about you surrendering. It's about having the greater one residing on the inside of you and you being sharp in the anointing, sharp in the word sharp in your intimacy and fellowship with God because actually the battle is the Lord's can I get an amen in, in this place this morning so the Bible says when the prophet came and said where where did it fall can you show me where it fell and they said well it's probably around about this place and so what I'm trying to tell you that it's always good if you've lost your edge if you've lost your sharpness if, if you've lost your first love if there are some things that you have lost in God, then it's always good to retrace your steps and say, well, where did I lose that? Amen. And then God can re-fire that up in your heart and your life. He can put new love. He can put a new zeal. He can put a new passion. He can put a new edge on the edge of your life because you are that battle axe and you've been anointed and sharpened by God for him to use mightily. Can you say amen? So tonight we're going to minister along those lines. I'm going to finish the sermon, but we're going to pray for people. So you don't want to miss tonight. Second Kings chapter 6 verse 1 says, And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now. Now, if you remember last week, I think, or the week before, I spoke a little bit about those two words, see now. And see now really speaks about you and I vocalizing our faith and also about that when you vocalize your faith, you actually give birth to vision. Can you say amen? So I, I gave you some, some pointers a couple of weeks back about why, why should we vocalize our faith? Why, why can't I just be silent and just internalize my faith? Why is it important for me to vocalize my faith? I shared on some of those things. See now, the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. And I think a couple of weeks back, I began to tell you how it is that, you know, anything that God touches begins to increase. Anything that, if you carry the anointing of God, if you carry the blessing of God, listen, you won't be able to contain what God is doing. He is the God of increase and He's the God of multiplication. Can you say amen? Please, uh, it says that it's too small. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there 
and beam is obviously a piece of wood, a tree or something. And let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. And then one said, please consent. And he said, I will go. And verse 4 says, and when they went with them, they came to the Jordan and they began to cut down trees. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe fell into the water. And he cried out and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. And so the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. He cut off a stick and threw it there. And guess what happened? Miracle of all miracles. What is not supposed to happen in the natural, God's, God caused to happen in the supernatural. The axe head floated. And he said, reach down and pick it up for yourself. God wants every one of us personally to experience the miraculous, the anointing, the supernatural of God. This is not an exclusive thing uh, or, you know, ex uh, 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 exclusive. It is inclusive. God wants everybody to be a part of what He's doing. Can you say amen? amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, once again, we come and we don't come in our own might and our own power, but we come in the wonderful name of Jesus. Now I want to thank you for your word that is able to fly off these pages and it's able to find and locate families and hearts and husbands and wives and teenagers and young adults and whoever, grandmothers and grandfathers and uncles, that your word is able to even go through the camera lens and touch all those people that are there in Phoenix, all those that are there in Hillcrest, all those that are watching by way of live stream. Your word knows no limitation. It is not bound geographically. And I thank you that you said that your word, as it comes, will not return void unto you. But I thank you for the power of your word today that is unleashed. May your word perform miracles in people's lives. May your word do the undoable. May your word cause things to happen, God where others said it's not possible, I pray that your word will make it possible. Where there is barrenness, I pray that your word will cause the streams of God's river to flow. Lord, where there was unproductivity and fruitlessness, I pray that your word will cause something to spark and something to resonate on the inside of every heart, every life right here, right now, God, that your word is truth, that your word is life that you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never, ever, ever pass away. That you said, Lord, in Hebrews 4 and 12, that your word is alive and living and sharper than any two-edged sword. And I pray today, God, let your word swoop over every life. Let it overwhelm every situation. Let it, let it conquer the giants. Let your word in us conquer the mountains. Let your word in us conquer the lack. Let your word in us conquer the infirmities and the sicknesses. Let your word in us conquer the fear and the intrepidation. Let your word rise in us so that we can become a mighty people of faith and power in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So I'm continuing with the series, and you will see here that there is that semicolon, all right? And if you are reading in a sentence, you will know that when you get to the semicolon, it doesn't mean it's the end, right? 
So it means that there's more to come. There's more to come. And I gave you this slide and I said the symbol semicolon doesn't mark the end of the thing, but rather the continuation. And so I want you to look at somebody and tell them uh, your story continues. Come on, say it like you have a bit of faith this morning. Look at somebody and tell them my story continues. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Look at somebody and tell them our story continues. Amen. Lift your hands and say this after me. It's not the end. Come on, say it again. It's not the end. It's just a pause. And my story and your story continues in Jesus' name. Because we are a great people that because of great faith, that because of great faith are capable of doing great things, mighty things for the King and His kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. That's just to get you a bit awake this morning. Amen. Get you a bit alive. So verse 2, the Bible says they go down to the river. Uh, the Jordan River. And I want you to know that this is the same place where Elisha, remember, asked Elijah, well, Elijah said, before I go, what is it that you want? And he said, well, actually, as a matter of fact, what I want is twice as much as what you've got. I want twice as much of the anointing. I want twice as much of signs, wonders, and miracles. And Elijah said, well, you've asked a hard thing, but if you can see me up, if you can see me get taken up, if you can hang with me, if you can push through, if you are consistent, if you just stay with me, if you cultivate that hunger and the desire for that, you'll have what you ask for. Can you say amen? So that river, and when you look at rivers in the Bible, God's not trying to give us some geographical names and geographical places, although that is true as well. But actually, when you see rivers in the Bible from the book of Genesis to the river in Psalm chapter 1 to the end of the book Revelation, there's a river there as well to when also when uh, the prophet Ezekiel was by the river Chebar. All of these rivers are symbolical. And when you see rivers, you need to understand that they are talking about the move of God, the flow of God. How many of you know that the kingdom of God is moving all the time? The kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. Huh? The kingdom of God is an ever-increasing kingdom. And so you and I are part of something that can never fail because you're part of the kingdom. Look at somebody right now and tell them, because you're part of the kingdom, you are part of something that can never fail. Come on, you're part of something that can never fail. Kingdoms will come and go. Governments will come and go. Kings and queens will come and go. Presidents will come and go. But God's kingdom is here forever and ever. And it is an ever-increasing kingdom. And because of that, you are part of something that cannot fail. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? So that represents the moving of God, the flowing of God, getting into the river of God getting into the knowing of God. I love rivers, and I love the flow of God. I want you to put your hands up this morning and say, I am moving forward in God. Growing, growing, and increasing in every area of my life. I am empowered to prosper and increase 
and right now, with my heart I believe, and with my mouth I declare, and I speak increase over my mind, over my business, over my family, over this church, over the city Durban, over this country South Africa. This is my year. This is my year. Ah, this is my year. Ah, this is my year of supernatural increase and prosperity. This is my limitless 2019 year, and I receive it. I believe it. It is mine, forever mine, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. So there's that slide for you to fill in. Rivers in the Bible depict the flowing of God's Spirit and power. And so we read here, they went to the River Jordan. They begin to cut beams. All right, now beams are wooden. And what I want you to see here symbolically is a picture of wood and rivers. And I want you to see that there is a picture of wood represents humanity and rivers represents God. And I want you to understand one thing, that we were created by God for God. Can I get an amen? amen. Would you look at somebody and tell them, you were created by God for God. Look at somebody else. They're in Phoenix. They're in Hillcrest. Look at them in the eye and say, you were created by God for God. No, you weren't created by a monkey. We didn't come from monkeys. We didn't come from a tadpole. We didn't come from a bat or a bird or an alligator or a rhino or a dinosaur. We were created by God for God. Lift your hands and say, I was created by God for God. Hallelujah. So what does that mean? That's, that's a picture of humanity working together with God, with divinity. Hallelujah. And there's so many pictures of this in the Bible. And I want you to understand that God created us to partner with Him in this life. Hallelujah. You only get one shot in this life. You're not coming back again as a mosquito or a cockroach or something like that. So you know what, Pastor? In this life, I'm going to be without God. In my next life, I'm going to give God a chance. You won't get, get, you won't get that chance again. You only get one chance in life. And in this life, you were created by God for God. You were created by God to partner with Him in this life that you only live once. Can I get a better amen? amen. Hallelujah. And so you see that this is depicted throughout the Bible. When you look at uh, the Garden of Eden and how God made Adam, placed Adam in that garden. And then, of course, God looked at Adam and thought, Yes, this could be a bit of a problem here. If I just leave this flesh and I just leave this dust. And what did God do? He stepped back and breathed his spirit into the dust that was in the shape of a man. And the Bible says that Adam became a living being. The Hebrew says he became a life-receiving spirit. So as long as Adam partnered with God and covenanted with God in the garden, he would walk in that garden Everything he touched just prospered. I touched the strawberries, and tomorrow there's 10,000 strawberries. Hallelujah. I touched that fig tree in Jesus' name. The next day, there's probably 50 fig trees. Hallelujah. Intimate with his wife, and then that multiplied as well. Praise God. 
I mean, he walked in that garden and everything he touched, everything he thought of, God said, you know what, my boy, it don't matter. Whatever animal you name down there is good with me because you and me, we're like this. We're partnering. Hallelujah. So in the Bible, you get the whole picture of God wanting to partner with mankind. You will never find a place where God doesn't want to partner with mankind because God created you, made you in his image and in his likeness, in the similitude of God you were made, and you were made to partner with God. Do you know that God was so emphatic about that that he even took inanimate objects to describe his heart for you and I, the fact that he wants to partner with you. So when, when Moses began to build the tabernacle, I mean, if you remember the tabernacle, and there was the outer court, and then you came into the holy place, and then there was a veil, and then you went beyond the veil and into the holy of holies where you would encounter the presence of God, the Shekinah presence of God. But God had even some articles of furniture that before the veil, the Bible says there was to be built the altar of incense, which actually was a wooden box made of shittim. I'm not swearing. That, the, 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 that's the wood. It was called, it was called that. Or shaitam, whatever, however else you want to. Is that is that better? Okay, but it was it was wood. It was a wooden box. And what does wood represent? Humanity. And God said, I want you to take that wooden box and I want you to put gold on it because gold is divinity. And I want people to know that if they're going to come into my presence and come into my fullness and experience everything that I have for them, wood, humanity, must be covered with divinity. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then when they went beyond the veil, right there was the Ark of the Covenant that had the angels. And I mean, that was a phenomenal thing. They're still looking for the Ark of the Covenant, but they will not find it because God does not live in a box anymore. He lives in you and me. If they find the Ark of the Covenant and they somehow, and the glory is there, then we can throw this Bible. We've all been living a lie. But let me tell you, God doesn't live in a box anymore. He lives in you and I. But the Ark of the Covenant was again a wooden box made of, mm -hmm, whatever it's called, that wood. <laughs> wood represents humanity. And what did they do? They covered that box with gold. Why? Because they wanted to show that actually you and I were designed by God to partner with God in this life. Can you say amen? When you look at the scriptures in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7, it says, but we have this treasure. This is now the New Testament. We have this treasure, God, on the... I'm not doing aerobics. I'm just getting excited. <laughs> we have this treasure, God, almighty God, residing on the inside of you and I, that the Bible says earthen vessels. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. The Amplified describes us, you know, as saying in frail human vessels of earth. How many of you know that your flesh is frail? 
This body is your problem. Hello? The next door neighbor is not your problem. The boss is not your problem. Your mother-in-law is not your problem. <laughs> your flesh, your body is your problem. Or outlaws or whatever laws you have. Your flesh is the problem. And he says here, in frail human vessels of earth. The message Bible says, describes you and I, the unadorned. You're unadorned, even though you got makeup and you're looking quite snazzy and you zhuzhed yourself up this morning. You got all the accessories. Amen. <laughs> the Bible says the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. The Passion Bible says we are like cl common clay jars that carry the glorious treasure. That's how it describes you and I. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? So when you think about what we are made of, sand, sand is probably one of the weakest elements that are found in this earth. I mean, we can take something like steel or aluminium. I don't know what it is. Something rigid. It's hard. And I can probably build, not me, but maybe you could build something. Danny could build something. Right? And it's quite rigid. It's got form. It's got, it's got shape. That's, that's, that's pretty strong. Or you could take something like wood, and it's pretty strong. I could knock you on the head and hurt you a little bit. It's pretty, it's rigid. It's got form. D does it have form? It does have form. That's right. And what about plastic? A lot of you are sitting on plastic right now. Now I'm talking about the cards in your wallet. But you're sitting on plastic chairs as well, right? And plastic, right, even though it might be a little bit weaker, it, it, it's got shape. It's got form. And, and we could take a ruler and we could see, okay, that's also pretty flexible, all right, plastic, but it's got form. But, but if you take sand, I mean sand, my goodness, I don't see any form in, in, in this. Matter of fact, I don't see any strength in this at all. This is the weakest out of all the elements and the Bible says that actually we were made out of sand. That God took a whole lot of sand and squeezed it together. And when he did, he realized that on our own, we would be probably the weakest creatures that lived on this earth. That's the reason why we're made of sand. And that's the reason why I want to emphasize we need God. We need more, this, we need more of God than the steel thing. Then this wooden thing, then this plastic thing. They've got a bit of strength. They've got a bit of rigidity. The sand has got no strength of its own. It's completely weak. Without God, this is what you represent. Huh? Without God, that's the best that you are. That's the best that you are. Actually, the psalmist actually takes it a bit further and say, at his best state... Man is like vapor. But actually, if you want to know what really we're made of, we just made of this. The Bible says, from dust you, you were made, and to dust you will return. Which is why you need God. If you're going to make it in this earth, you need God. That's why the Paul writes and says, you know what? We might be weak, and we might be just the sand 
and look, it's got no form, it's got no shape, and you're just sloppy, and you're just going nowhere, and you're just purposeless, and you're, got, you're floating around wondering why you were born, and you're frustrated, and you're unhappy. What, you know why? Because you need God. Hallelujah. That lump of sand needs God. This lump of sand needs God. Can you say amen? amen. And God wants to dwell with you. He wants to uh, uh, partner with you. But look at this. The amazing thing, when you get humanity working together with God's flow, with God's spirit, you will always end up with a go from God. Because when they chopped the beams and they were there by the river, he said, can we go? They said, you can go. Hallelujah. And so this is what I want to say to you. God gives us his go when we choose to work together with him. When you choose to partner with God, when you choose to yield and surrender yourself to God, God will give you his go. Won't be any go, it'll be God's go. It'll be the right go. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, without God, we end up with the wrong go, but with God, we'll end up with the right go. Can you lift your hands and say that after me? Without God, I'll end up with the wrong go. But with God, I'll end up with the right go. How many of you want the right go in your life? I want the right go. I don't want to be spending days and weeks and months and years and then suddenly realize, you know what? I've been going in the wrong direction because I've carried the wrong go. But with God, you will carry the right go. And here's another thing that I want to say. God's go. When you, when you partner with God and He gives you the go to do whatever it is that He has called you to do, your go will always carry on it eternal worth and eternal significance. Hallelujah. In other words, your go is attached to eternal business. Can you say amen? Now, you might be an accountant. You might be a lawyer. You might be a, a chef. You might be a mechanic. You might be a CEO. But let me tell you something, and that's great, and that's all just vocations you have, but the go that God places upon you will always carry eternal value, eternal worth, and eternal significance. And here's what I want you to understand. Because of that, we, you and I, have the privilege of influencing the hearts of mankind for God. God doesn't have anybody else but you. I said God does not have anybody else but you. Hallelujah. And when you partner with God, He will put that go on the inside of you. It'll be the right go that'll have the right people, that will have the right whatever. It'll have everything in its place. But more than that, that go carries eternal value. And you will have, as you go, carrying God's go, you will have the privilege of influencing and touching and changing the hearts of men and women that God brings along your pathway. Can I get an amen? amen. We'll have the privilege of helping people reap in 
everything Jesus accomplished for the glory of God. We'll, help, we'll have the go to help people encounter God. We'll have the go to help people find freedom. We'll have the go to help people discover what their giftings and what their purposes are and why they were placed on this earth. Can you say amen? We'll carry the go that will help people understand that they can make a difference, that together we can make a difference in our country, in our neighborhood, in our city, in this church. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. What a privilege it is. Can I say that one more time? What a privilege it is. Understanding that you are an earthen vessel carrying the treasure of God on the inside of you. What an honor it is. Every one of you that knows Jesus Christ is privileged and honored. And that's why we can't dilly-dally. We can't procrastinate. We can't spin our wheels. We've got to do what we are doing right now. There's an urgency in the Spirit. And what we do, we must do now. Can you say amen? amen. Can you give me a better amen? amen? Hallelujah. If there's ever been a moment to push through every obstacle and hindrance for the furtherance of the kingdom of God, it is now. Come on. We have got to make things count. Why? Because it is our watch. We are on duty. It is our watch. And then after us will come another generation, and it'll be their watch. But this is your and my watch, hallelujah. And we have to make it count. We have to cause our lights to shine in a dark place. We're, we have to, you and I have to demonstrate the power of God, the glory of God through us, His people, His church. The kingdom is forever moving and doing, moving and doing, moving and doing. And God gives you and I His go. Can I get an amen? Verse 4 says, and, and he went with them and gave them the go and went. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. Hallelujah. See, the very first thing that they did to ensure that there was going to be ample room for the vision to grow, for the thing to expand, was they had to cut down trees. And let me tell you, family, those of you that are here watching by way of live stream, whether you're in Phoenix or Hillcrest, if you are serious about going for God, if you are serious, is anybody serious here about going for God? Come on. If you are serious about increasing and growing and prospering and flourishing and being a mover and a shaker for God, then you simply have to, have to, have to eliminate every obstacle that stands in your way. And they saw every tree and they said, if we're going to build and we're going to move into the mall that God has for us, we're going to have to get rid of every distraction. We're going to have to get rid of every obstacle. This is what I want you to understand. Removing every distraction in your life is a must if you want to succeed in life. I want to succeed in God. I want to succeed in His Word. When you succeed in God, that, su that successfulness, that success will manifest in every other area of your life. But if you want to succeed in God and grow in God and move in God, then you have to. You have to remove every distraction. And removing every distraction means that you have to be focused. You have to be intentional. You have to be purposed. 
There cannot be any compromise. There cannot be any maybes or ifs. There cannot be any gray areas in your life. You have to make room for the vision to be enlarged. And if you're going to do that, the ground has to be cleared. Can you say amen? Look at somebody and tell them, just clear the ground. Because my vision is too big right now. It's too big. Come on, my dream is big. Come on, my mission on this earth is big. I'm not trying to blow my own trumpet and get you to blow your own trumpet, but I'm trying to tell you that you've got to get rid of all kinds of distractions because the devil wants to minimize you. The devil wants to stifle you and hamper you and box you in, and he might surround you all around you, but he can't roof you in. And as long as you can look up and keep your eyes on Jesus, he cannot contain the vision and the purposes and plans that God has for your life. That's why David said, I'm surrounded by the bulls of Bashan. All around me, I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded. But when he got onto those mountains to pr praise and worship God, he would lift up his eyes into the heavens and he would begin to worship his God. He would begin to proclaim the greatness, the bigness of his God. Hallelujah. And even though others try to hedge him in, when a lion came for his sheep and a bear came because he had his eyes on his God, he refused to be distracted. He took care of every hindrance, every obstacle, and said, I serve a great and mighty God, and this mighty God will help me when the lion comes. It'll help me when the bear comes. It'll help me when I face Goliath and every other brother of Goliath as well. God is for me, and if God be for you, who can be against you? Can you say amen? You have to remove every obstacle and hindrance that stands in your way, and those obstacles might be inward, outward, it might be in your mind. It might be your thought life. It might be wrapped up part of your culture. And I'll say it again. If, if you cannot fit your culture into this book and take it through the cross, then it's best to leave your culture on that side. Just leave it on that side. Just leave it there. No problem. Nobody's telling you to deny your culture and deny your roots and all of that. But brother, there's so much more that God wants you to apprehend, man. And if your culture's getting in the way, just put it on the shelf. Amen. Amen. Just put it on the shelf. Because now we are, we've got kingdom culture. Amen. And let's go for God. Let's do what God has called us to do. Can you say amen? amen. And so the hindrance and the obstacles might be on the outside. And I've said it before. Every friend that is not for you is against you. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that. You don't have to have a PhD to know that every friend that is not for you and praying for you and speaking into your life is actually, is actually speaking about you and criticizing you and pulling you down. Every friend that is not for you is against you. And here's the other thing. I don't want to spoil your pity party, but not everybody will celebrate you. Not everybody will celebrate you, and that's okay. You don't need to be celebrated by everybody. There will be people that will they begin to froth at the mouth because you're prospering and you're promoted and all of that. Can you imagine the seven sons of Jesse? As the prophet came there, ready to anoint the next king of Israel, and seven of these sons walked past the prophet one by one, one by one. 
And when you look at the seven names, all of those seven, seven names in the Hebrew are, speak about some kind of a physical attribute about these guys. So this guy came through and he was like an IT buff. Whew. Then another guy came past and he was like good at CrossFit, although I beat him. But anyways. <laughs> and then the next guy might have been the most handsome looking guy. Every one of these seven sons that walked past Samuel all had like attributes. That if you looked at them in the natural, you would say, oh, yeah, de de definitely. Oh, <laughs> you know. And, and Samuel said, no, not, not him, not him. I'll bring my next son. What about him? No, not him either. Well, this guy for sure. I mean, he got all A's. He's studying to be an actuary, you know. I mean, he's like really clever. No, not him, not him. Seven sons go by. And I mean, the sons like now are like confused. You came here. You, I mean, we've all stood before you, ready to be in none of us. Is there anybody else that you've got in this family? Not that I can think of. I've got the dog, the sheep, the goats, the chicken. I've got the birds that come every so often. We feed those Egyptian geese when they come in once a while. No, but I, a person. Is there any other person? Person? Oh, oh, yeah, there's a guy. I, but you know what? He's the, he's the wife of another, the son of a brother of another mother and what, what, what. He's actually my, an illegitimate child. I don't think you'd bring him. Bring him. And he's just a boy. And David comes in. Can you imagine the other sons? Can you imagine the jealousy? Can you imagine the venom? Can you imagine them frothing at the mouth, gnashing their teeth? Because that's what, how the Bible describes the wicked. I mean, when, when God is on you and his favor is on you and his blessing is on you, you don't need the devil to gnash his teeth. There are brothers and sisters in the Lord who will gnash their teeth at you. And especially in the family. Ha! Ah, can you say praise the Lord? Amen. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't, don't worry about the outward. People will say what they want. It don't matter. You have to get rid of every distraction. Even what your brain is telling you. Even the voices that are speaking to you. Sometimes you don't need a physical person to gnash your teeth. You are gnashing your own teeth at yourself. You got these voices that say, who do you think you are? You're just a failure. Your father was a drunkard. You're going to be a drunkard. Your great-grandfather was this, that, the other. And all these lies and all these condemnations and all this criticism and all these fingers pointing at you. Sometimes you don't need outside. It comes from inwardly. And you have to say, shut up in Jesus' name. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. I am not who you say I am. Hallelujah. No, no, no. That's a lie of the devil. I might have been like that in 1971, but right now in 2018, I'm a brand new creature. The blood of Jesus has washed me clean. All those things have passed away. I don't even recognize the person that you're telling me about. I'm not that person that I used to be, but I am right now everything that God says I am. You've got to deal ruthlessly with those voices. 99% of the battle is right here between your two ears. All the stuff that you hear, your mind telling you. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? Hallelujah. You don't let life's obstacles stop you from achieving all that God has for you. 
There's a story about a king who lived in a certain land, and one day the king decided to place a huge heavy boulder in the middle of one of the main roads of that kingdom. And he hid behind a huge bush, and he was just looking to see how people would react when they would come against an obstacle or a hindrance that was in their path. And lo and behold, here came some very wealthy people, and they were discussing, oh, you know, these, we do so well, and you know, I've, been, and my, I've just bought myself a brand new Rolls Royce, and discussing all the stuff. And when they came on this boulder, they looked at this boulder and began to complain and moan and say, you know, we're paying so much taxes. You think the king could get this boulder out of our road? I mean, you know, after all we do, and, and they moaned, and, and they went past the boulder and carried on. And some other people came by, and they moaned and groaned and, and you know, just kind of were huffing and puffing and were disgruntled, and they moved on. And then not very long after that, a peasant came carrying a whole load of vegetables. And when he came to this massive boulder, he stopped, he put his vegetables down, looked at this boulder, tried to push it, and it was a huge boulder and a heavy boulder, and this way and that way, pushed again, heaved a bit, panted, sweated, and probably after about an hour, managed to just move the boulder without putting his back out <laughs> and just move the boulder so that it went on the edge of the road. And he was thinking, you know, if I can do this, then anybody else that comes, they're going to have free passage. Wow. And as he stooped down to pick up the load of vegetables, he looked and where the boulder had been, there now was a, was a purse. And he picked up the purse and opened it, and it was full of gold coins. And then in that purse, not just the gold coins, there was a little note. And the note was from the king. And the king said, whoever moves this boulder, I want you to know you can have all the gold coins that are in this place. And that peasant learned a valuable lesson indeed that day. Hallelujah. What did he learn? He learned that every obstacle that you find in your path presents an opportunity to build you and make you stronger. Hallelujah. So when you are facing adversities, when there are hindrances and obstacles that are in your way, you know, the easiest thing would be to blame the government, blame the next-door neighbor, blame the dentist, blame the doctor, blame the pastor, blame somebody. No, that obstacle is in your path, hallelujah, but it presents a God-given opportunity to make you stronger, to make you wiser, to make you sharper, hallelujah, to make you realize that without God, you, you won't be able to move that boulder. With, without God, you won't be able to conquer that problem. Can I get an amen in this place? Hallelujah. So this morning, I want you to stand up to your feet right now. Come on. Let's stand up. Lift your hands up above your head right here in, in Mayville, Galway, Hillcrest. Those of you watching by way of live stream, lift your hands and say, Thank you, Father for your word that has come to me today. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing 
by the Word of God. I am a faith child that has a faith covenant with a faith God. And today, I partner with you. Thank you for giving me the go to do what you've called me to do. And my go carries with it eternal value and significance. And I have the honor, I have the privilege that as I go, I can change lives, I can change families, I can change atmospheres, I can influence humanity for the sake of the kingdom. Our purpose today, that because of faith, I will remove every distraction, every hindrance that will stop me from clearing ground and making room for more of you, more of your presence, more of your glory. There might be a slight pause in my life right now, but I am work in progress. I am work in progress. And I declare that my story continues. Our story continues because we have a story. We have a testimony to tell. And that is what my faith will vocalize. I am everything that God says I am. I have everything that God says I have. And by the grace of God, by the power of God's Spirit, even though I am an earthen vessel, I carry the treasure of God. Greater is He that is He that is He that is within me than He that is in the world. I carry the power of God, the anointing of God, the favor of God, the blessing of God to do everything that God has called me to do in Jesus' mighty name. If you believe that, give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. Hallelujah.